Nicole Whitney News for the Soul, life-changing talk radio from the uplifting to the unexplained. Yeah, it's a great honor to have you on the show tonight. Welcome to Deepak Chopra. Thank you. News for the Soul is now in its 25th year of broadcasting. Tune in live or visit the archives at newsforthesoul.com. That's newsforthesoul.com. Let's bring Summer on to reintroduce herself, her show, her guest, and what's up for today. Welcome back, Summer. Hey, thanks, Nicole. Yeah, I'm really excited about today. Uh, We are talking about relationships as soul assignments. So Inside Out Healing, which I write about in my book, is all about intuitive self-healing and all about the soul and getting our messages from the soul so we can live an authentic life and that often heals us on many levels, including our physical body. So today I'm excited to have Andre Lam here to talk about relationships as soul assignments. And some people are like, well, what does relationships have to do with self-healing? And it has a lot to do with it. Um, I run the Soul Truth Discovery Academy where clients come, they're self-healers, and they learn mind-body medicine. And the reason why I invited Andre here is because healing has a ton to do with our relationships, whether we can speak our truth, make our own decisions, live our life authentically, often has to do with the way that we are in relationship, which can lead to so many different situations stressors that inevitably make us sick, whether it's our relationships with our colleagues, our family, or our significant others. So I'm pretty excited to have Andre here today. Um, Andre Lam runs a transformational men's group called the Alchemist of the Round Table. It's a little different from other men's groups, and he'll explain why. Um, And he also teaches a class with me called Connection Through Conscious Communication. So I'm going to have Andre introduce himself, and we're going to get into the topic of how people can have 10 out of 10 relationships, what that looks like, and what does it mean to have relationships as soul assignments. So welcome, Andre. Thank you for that lovely introduction. And again, to add more depth to what I do, yes, I facilitate a men's group, but it's not just your everyday men's group. It's a transformational men's group that uses a lot of uh, guided journey practices, uh, music, journal prompts, and it helps men tap into the hearts where the soul and spirit lives and creating that container every week. Uh, It's really deep work. We work with bringing awareness to all parts of ourselves, uh, integrating that through shadow work, edge work, and spanning the borders of our kingdom, and breath work, using energetics to tie everything together. And in addition, we work with uh, the conscious communicator community with my work with Summer and teaching people conscious communication uh, through the words of feelings and needs and really to tie everything back together, how soul connecting to that level is healing at a practical level is having meaning and purpose, having intention, uh, really knowing who I am, having that relationship with myself and when I get connected with myself, I'm not looking for any external things outside of me to satisfy me and on my journey. So, yes, I want to tie that there. All right. So curious because you just said that you don't look for external things to satisfy you, but in relationship, isn't that what we're doing? Yeah. So, like, what I say, the first relationship, the focus is, and when I look at my own journey, is the relationship with myself. And it's a journey of self-love. Um, in order for, for people to love me, i got to love myself. In order for, I, for me to love others, i got to love myself. So I always, for me, feel like it comes back to self first and foremost uh, to get my needs met. And it's my journey of addictions, and it's my journey of being lost for so long and doing what my parents told me was the right thing to do and following societal standards. And along the way, I gathered addictions through video games, pornography, drugs, alcohol, as a way to numb myself because I wasn't happy. Though I thought this was life, working for the weekend. I worked as a software developer manager for oil and gas in the corporate world for 12 years, climbing the ladder, and we worked with companies like Shell, BP, Conoco, 
though I wasn't happy. And so I used those things to numb myself. So healing in a way where I come back to myself and doing more personal development. And when I moved away from professional development to personal development, that's when I was li- you know, liberated, I'd say. That's when I began to see that I was a, I was a victim. And then moving to being responsible, that started my healing journey of connecting to myself, having conversations with myself of what are my values, what is my purpose, what do I like, what I don't like. And then from there, I start having a relationship with myself. I start loving myself. I start enjoying who I am, my alone time. And then the people in my life started to show up that vibrated in the same frequency. And I say that soul level, soul level frequency connected to the heart. And those people that showed up were now resonating with me. I got them. I get them. And then that starts the next level of uh, exponential uh, healing. Because first, if I go back to my party days, I would attract people that would party. I didn't choose them. They just showed up on my life for the love of partying. But when I started to show up in my hobbies, when I started to show up and doing things that I love, I was around people that loved the same things I loved. And then all of a sudden, I saw these mirrors, right? And we see, we always say people can trigger you or me. And we can say that, hey, I can meditate on top of a mountain and do my own healing. And I've done that. I love my alone time. No, there's something special about doing this with someone else because this person is an outside mirror to what's unconscious to myself. So instead of saying triggers, mirrors to what's unconscious as an opportunity to grow and heal from that. So there's so much I can do on my own, right? That's one facet of healing. No, I, don't, I also have blind spots, and these blind spots aren't shown until someone really indicates them. When I see them respond or react, the way I am and my beingness, going back to we're all one, right? So that's when then the healing journey is exponential when it's done in groups, when it's done in relationships, because they say, you know, for me, relationships are my spiritual practice because that's where I get tested the most. (laughs) If I'm on top of the mountain meditating, uh, I'm, I'm getting tested, yeah, within my own self. But then when I come down from that mountain and someone throws a meat pie in my face, how am I going to respond? (laughs) that's a good question a meat pie in your face (laughs) so I'm curious then I'm sure people are wondering all right and I you know we always we self-heal and then it, it prepares us for the next stage of our healing which is in relationship with others and so I'm sure people are wondering how can they have 10 out of 10 relationships what does that look like if you want a partner if you want a romantic type of relationship what I'm curious to see how you're going to respond to this question. <laughs> what is a 10 out of 10 relationship to you? And we'll ask the second part later, well, how do people go about getting there? So what is a 10 out of 10 relationship, do you think, in your own words? Hmm. Well, the first thing like I was thinking about the how to get there is really the, the intent to have a 10 out of 10 relationship from both people. Uh, it takes two to row the boat. If one person's rowing the boat, then we would just be rowing around in circles. So it requires both people to have the same purpose, same intent of wanting a 10 out of 10 relationship. So the best question to ask is each couple, right, separately, where do you rate your relationship now? Or how do you want it to be? And is it in sync? Is it 10 out of 10? Because what's the point of being in a relationship when it's not 10 out of 10? And so then that starts with the intent there. And I know, like, I'm moving into the how here, but if I were to ask, like, what is a 10 out of 10 relationship? Well, it's, it's a process of growth. Um, it's a process of striving and to be open. I'd say the quality of being open, that's, that's big. Because then this allows me to shift and change my own self. Like, we're always looking to outside to change. We're always looking to, for the world to change, our country to change, the people around us to change. So it goes back to self, like, am I willing to change? Am I willing to change to have this 10 out of 10 relationship? So that, that's the biggest piece of what is a 10 out of 10 relationship for me is, is that both people are open. Well, first, knowing that they both intend to want a 10 out of 10 relationship, they both desire that. And second is the openness to create that. Now, the openness now leads into the how because there's so many tools and practices 
that can help um, guide that to a 10 out 10 relationship. Although I think those first two are very important for me. Okay, so openness and wanting the 10 out of 10 relationship. I'm going to bring that back to the soul and his soul's assignments. What does the soul, in your own words, really want and need from a relationship? Why is it that we so strongly desire to be in relationship? Yeah, for me, when I connect with that, I just breathe into it. My soul always yearns for expansion and growth in anything that I do. It's curious. It's um, purpose-driven. It has a lot of passion. Uh, it, it drives from a place of unlimited energy, and it pulls me towards that. So the soul always yearns to expand and grow, and I know growth happens to happen through, um, you know, learning from mistakes, you know, failing forward, um, learns through trauma, learns through hurt, through, learns through healing. So it's all these experiences that I can learn and grow from. So if I were to translate the soul into relationships, it yearns for growth. It yearns to deepen the love. It yearns to deepen the level of intimacy between two people. And so the soul yearns for, I'd say, progress in the relationship. And what gets in the way is our patterns of comfort, you know, our survival paradigms of keeping things the same. I call them the saboteurs that get in our way uh, to, you know, create these coping mechanisms as to, you know, keep things the way they are. But then just like if I were at a, you know, corporate job and I was at the same job doing the same thing, you know, they say it's soul-sucking, soul-draining. It's because there's no growth. And when I get promoted and I try something different, there's some excitement, there's some energy into that. So I can imagine in a relationship that there's no growth, you know, the common thing that comes to mind is becoming roommates. And when roommates happen, what happens is the intimacy is out the window, the, the sexual expression and desire is gone, the flame is gone, and we're just you know, really just being with each other with no movement. And like water, if water does not move, uh, disease gets created. And so that's what happens is it starts polluting itself from within. The resentment builds because the soul is always there wanting to push and grow, making me unhappy in my corporate job, leading me to numb myself through alcohol and drugs to drown out that soul talk. But if I really, really listen to it, it's going to guide me to a life where I don't need drugs or alcohol anymore. And I always attribute to dancing, dancing where I needed the, the liquor, give me courage to go out there and dance. And now I don't need it. And it just flows through me. And where is this energy? So tie back to relationships, it's growth. Okay. So growth. So that leads us to, you know, okay, we have these desires. We have these longings. We want certain things from our partner. But a lot of people don't know how to ask or even identify what it is that they want or need. They just know it's not working or it's toxic. Some people will say, well, it's toxic. Um, and I know for myself, I, I had a, a lovely 72, I think she was, year old, and she'd seen a, a psychic who said, oh, your relationship's terrible. It's toxic. And um on one level, that was true with the picture that was taken. Um, and when we did a process with her, she really realized her own limitations and how she, she actually never really spoke her truth. She just wanted her husband to know. And I think a lot of people do that. Um, and then they're just angry and resentful all of the time. And she realized, oh, I actually have to come to the table. I have to show up. I have to be there. I can't just expect someone to know. And I think this is such a downfall in our society is that we don't have the communication skills, never mind knowing what our soul wants and being able to translate sort of more of that energetic quality to my daily life, but then communicating that with another person. How the heck do we do that, really, in practical terms? How do we do that? Well, it's first acknowledging, like, what's my part in it? Like, it's really moving out of that victim 
mindset first and foremost because if I'm expecting people to read my mind or I'm wanting them to change and fix, then it's it leads to disappointment because it's outside of my control. I don't have power over that. I don't have power over another person in that way. So I have the power to choose differently, to have different thoughts, uh, express myself differently and learn and improve myself and create that level of awareness of like, oh, how, how am I adding to this? What am I bringing to the table? How can I show up better? Right. And it, it allows me to then build that self love of myself. Again, it goes back to self love. What is my self care? And if, you know, if my cup is full, I always look at the, the giving, you know, people, you know, either give, with no strings attached or there's conditions associated. And, and most of us, I mean, are we giving with conditions? Are we giving with, you know, an intention of getting something back? And so when we give from a full cup and give our love, it comes from that place of like, I just want to give love. There's, there's no, you know, keeping track, you know, keeping tallies is because, you know, my cup is full. And if someone says, well, you know, my cup is full when I'm with someone, right? They fill my cup. Well, what if they don't? they're not there what if you're giving to them and and they're not filling in the same way as you are what happens with this expectation of putting on someone else is that control that resentment because it's not in my power right i'm resenting it because i gave my power away so it goes back to acknowledging okay what am i doing here and again you know the help and the support that i need to show up differently and then through my own example right how i show up that can influence change as well, right? And, and this is before having a conversation with your partner and, and enrolling them to go along in the journey so that you're both in consensus. Because again, you both want a 10 on 10 relationship, right? And are you both open? And now if one can just own their part, I think that's the biggest thing um, for me, that is. Yeah. I mean, I work more with women, you work more with men. How is it that people own their part? I, I brought a quote for today. You don't know I have this quote, but I'm going to read it because I just think it's so powerful and I think it's one of the biggest downfalls in our relationship and ties into what you're saying in terms of owning stuff. Um, because I think sometimes we just we hide a little bit too much of ourselves. We've been taught, you know, what a good boy or a good girl is and how to speak properly and all of these things. And as we get into deeper and deeper relationships, of course, like you said, those triggers or those shatter sides comes out and most people really don't know what to do with them. Like no clue. Think it's abnormal. They blame and shame each other. And so I'm going to read this because I think this is, and get your thoughts about this. Some, it's from the book called Naked Relationships. And I took this out of it. It's called The Naked Truth. And I think this, The Naked Truth is our soul. That's how I think of it. When you hide some of your truth for lack of trust in it, you also hide some of yourself for lack of trust in you and you forfeit love or unconditional acceptance, the thing you want most and the only thing you can trust. So I'm curious how that quote strikes you. Mm, It's like resonance with my truth, right? With the alignment of how I show up. And when I'm connected with that, then it refers to is, you know, am I, every time I'm putting myself out there when I'm speaking, uh, how am I, you know, impacting others? Is that from my authentic truth? And, um, you know, it's a process of unraveling, I'm peeling back who I am. So eventually after a while, you know, I start to recognize who I am and the more I begin to accept it the more I begin to stand in it, the more I begin to speak it, and I'm less influenced by other people. And, you know, it's it's just cultivating my own personal power within myself. Uh, the more I start on the journey of feeling back those layers of what my truth is. And it's a practice of just, like, going out there and, for me, having those experiences, right? Um, you know, even in relationships, like, dating and, and through those, you know, relationships with that man or men or woman, I, I kind of know what I'm looking for, right? I, I know what I want from what I don't want. And it's just having those experiences to reflect back to myself of what, what resonates, what clicks. So that's what mm. comes up for me. Yeah. Okay, amazing. Yeah. 
Um, I always think of it that our relationships reflect our truth about what we believe about ourselves. And a lot of times we're distorting the truth because we don't think we will be loved. Irony of being truthful but not wanting to be because we believe we won't be loved and so we hide it all and then we don't get what we want. So you were just saying, you know, getting challenged. And so I wonder what you feel about sharing a little bit about when we started dating um, we were we were friends, and uh, um, I, I I wasn't actually interested in dating you at the time. <laughs> um, but we hung out, and and one day you you asked to kiss me, and I was like, oh hell no! And in my head, I was like, what what's your intention? You know, so people go into uh, relationships with different intentions, or sometimes. Um, you know, they're happily not speaking about some of the uncomfortable subjects or having difficult conversations with people. Um, so for me, when people start dating or they start new relationships, it's so important to have this foundation um, because Walt Disney's kind of give us this picture of, oh, it's happily ever after. You shouldn't have any conflict. There should be this bless- blissful thing in relationships and then the screen goes black and there's nothing left. Um, They don't tell you what happens after that. So in the context of you talking about growth, um, and for some uh, listeners out there who are starting new relationships who are longing to have that, how did we start and um, what was your growth through that? Because the day that Andre asked to kiss me, I was like, oh, I said no. I was just like flat out, no way. <laughs> I was doing that because I was like, why does he, why? My question was why? What's the foundation of his why? And so I think it was a week later we were out with some friends and, you know, he, he took the rejection really well. Um, but I, I went and I asked him because I didn't, want it to be this underlying weird thing, energy. And I said, you know, why did you kiss me? I'm curious. And he, that day, explained how you reacted, but um, he was taken aback for sure. And I, you know, I wanted to know why, and I'll let him finish the story. <laughs> you can pick it up there, Dre. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's, there's a lot of unprogramming to learn. Um, you know, I always attribute mm-hmm. to modern dating, Tinder, Bumble, or like Match.com, and the type of jungle that that happens to you know for us to sift through to find out does does he really like me? Does she really like me? Right? And there's a lot of quote unquote the game, and it's based in manipulation tactics generally. Uh, we're taught not to speak our truth. We're taught to dance around it and use signals to then take the next step. So at the time when I you know, asked to kiss you, I felt an attraction in that moment, and I took the risk. And uh, it came from the, the intention to see where things go as a feeler, as a um, – in a sense, yeah, really to tip my toe in and to see what response gets out of it because I felt the, the energy and the time we spent together, uh, I just wanted to check to see if we're in alignment. And we weren't. That's fine. Um, that was my intent. And, and I totally understand of like why you said no because of the why behind it. When about a week later you asked me, it was really when I I was rejected. I was like, okay, cool. And in my mind was like, I tried. Like, I put it out there and, okay, this is the response. Cool. At least I did it, right? So from a standpoint of having the courage, I followed through and I was happy. I was proud of myself. So then when the conversation was brought up um, by you a week later in the car, I was caught off guard because generally – uh, in my experience, I wouldn't be asked this. It, you know, it was kind of moved on. Things move on, and if we're just friends, we're just friends. But then when you asked me, I'm like, I became defensive. And this is because of my lack of experience in receiving that particular scenario that 
my survival programs came in to protect me. I saw, I see that now. So it was more of an initial reaction to being like, oh, it's all good, you know. Like uh, I started becoming defensive, saying, no, I just, it was just for fun. I just want to play and have a good time, and that's it, nothing more, right? And then that night, going home, I reflected on that response immediately and realized that I, I expressed it from a defensive space. And I wasn't being truthful in all, and that I made it all about me. In fact, yeah, I found you attractive. In fact, yeah, I like to see where things go. I didn't communicate that clearly. And also, I didn't check in with you to see how you felt, um, how you felt that I asked to kiss you, and whether those were in your boundaries or not, or if you were offended, like, um, just to see... Right, how you, you know, your thoughts around the situation. And so through my curiosity of, like, wanting to honor you and your opinion, I came back and, and asked you about that. So in terms of, like, growth in that aspect, it's, it's a lot of unlearning how I connect with others. And especially in the dating world, the biggest fear I have for myself is the fear of rejection because it proves the program right to be right, that I'm unlovable. And so I play it safe. I don't ask throughout. And it goes back to self-love and the idea that I am loved. I love myself. I love me from a place of, like, knowing that I'm part of this bigger whole and that we're all one. Though if I'm not aware of that and, and I'm looking for others to fill that hole for me, it could be super scary. It could be super scary to be myself, I may contort myself, people please, change myself to have other people like me rather than stand in my power, communicate who I am, this is this is who I am, this is what I want, and the right people will show up. I will resonate with that. So the growth for me is standing more in my power of that, of, of showing up more me, who I am, and that just requires me to, to step up more, shine more, and, you know, do the inner work on myself. Yeah. So it goes back to that self-love again, and the growth in that is, okay, I know that the more I know about myself, the naked truth, the more it's easier for me to speak my truth, to stand in my power, and attract that someone that resonates with that same truth, not a false truth, not a false light. Yeah, and I'm curious because, some men, if they're, if they're listening, you're saying, stand in my power, rah, rah. But I think when you came, you came back to me after that week and you did ask me my opinion and you really, well, I would say stood in your naked truth, which a lot of men mistake power differently. And vulnerability is something I think a lot of men have issues with. Um, but in that moment, I found you to be very vulnerable in saying, oh, I was defensive and answering the question, and we had a good two-hour conversation about it. And I was like, oh, here he is. He's, he's coming back. He's present. It's, you know, he's, he's okay to have these difficult conversations, and I don't have to ignore the energy in my body of the discomfort, and we can have it without having an argument. We can have a deeper connection through it. So... Um, I'm curious when you say stand in your power, how that um, is about vulnerability or what you would say about vulnerability in that. Mm. Yeah. I mean, standing on my power is, is really about like standing in my truth of all that I am in this moment. Even the parts of me that I may feel ashamed of, I have fear exposing, shining a light on, and it may not necessarily mean to be, you know, confident and strong, but also means to be open and receptive and to be humble, uh, to be vulnerable, right? We, we talk a lot about vulnerability and it's like, wow, like, I don't want to share my emotions. Like, I don't want to give them my man card. Like, that just makes me weak, right? And it's interesting how surface level that is and Let's say, you know, I don't share an intimate part of myself and I'm trying to pretend to be this person over and over again. It's like I'm overcompensating for something. I'm always trying to prove to that part I am something. And so 
what happens is like I'm not really being myself, right? I'm trying to um, prove to others of who I am instead of just being like myself. So there's there's always some particular people pleasing um, attribute that comes with it of trying to prove one's worth. And when I just like we hear the the quote, the truth sets you free. If I were to share that, even if it sucks, like it no longer has, has power over me. It no longer owns me because it's out in the light. And if someone uses it against me, I'm like, uh, it's, it's already out there. <laughs> you can gossip all the way around. Like, I, I don't mind really sharing it. So I become less attached to it. Um, there's, there's nothing to hide. And, and that process itself is strength because it can be super scary, right? So it requires me to overcome that fear, a fear of what people think of me, fear of what society tells me, that this makes me a weak man. So that's why vulnerability is strength, because it requires strength for me to share that part of me. And then what happens when I share that part of me is that I become lighter, it doesn't have power over me. Therefore, I gain more of my power back. Mm-hmm. Yes, powerful. So hiding our truth. I think that's the biggest reason that we, A, hide our truth, because many of us come from traumatized backgrounds, and B, we don't it. And so how can we have an authentic relationship if we're doing neither of one of those things? So um, I want to leave the listeners with some practical tools because um, we teach our conscious connection through conscious communication class. We've been uh, hanging out in relationship for, for a while now. Um, how is it that people can start to really become conscious of their communication with their partners and start to think about the triggers in their relationship as mirrors to divine growth? Like uh, we're talking about relationships as soul contracts and also seeing the most difficult people, whether it's their parents or partners or children, as Jedi trainers, for living our best life, for living our soul-connected life. I truly believe that's why people come into our lives. I truly believe that's why you've come into my life. So what are some of the practical tools people can start implementing and start changing the paradigm of what I call the emotional dark ages where we came from, where people slip into relationship and they don't really know why they're not asking the questions. They're afraid to ask the questions. How can we be asking questions that um, allow people to feel safe to come back and be vulnerable in relationships so they can grow? What are those key yeah. things for you? Things practically like, you know, I can, you know, acknowledge the challenge that could happen when, you know, the, typical high school sweetheart scenario of getting together and actually not knowing who, who we are, who I am or what I want because I'm just young and we got together because of love at first sight. And I'm speaking to that because let's say if it's a long-term relationship, then there's, there's a lot of layers there. There's a lot of history because Going to a stranger and sharing everything is easy because there's no history. But going to family, um, it can be hard because there's history. And with history, there's judgment of how I showed up in the past. So with a long-term relationship, it can be challenging. This is a judgment of mine. You cannot, I'm just saying that there's history there, so there's more to work with. And if I'm speaking to that, to that couple, it's the question of, like, do you both want to have a 10 on 10 relationship? It's a decision that needs to be made by both people, right? And then if that decision is being made, then we can look at, like, solutions and if, if both parties are open to it. And I find that what helps a couple like that start to shift is to seek, is to look at other couples doing this work, other conscious relationships, other conscious people speaking that language, it's the environment, the community 
the container that allows to provide the mirrors and models of what a 10 out of 10 relationship looks like, right? Rather than trying to work on your own with two people and you have this history and it's like you know the language, <laughs> you know the tools, but how come I'm not able to do it consistently? Or if I do it and I'm like, how come it comes out the wrong way, right? So the invitation is, is coming into a safe container to be able to express what's going on and not get pulled on by those histories and emotions or triggers, what we call it, because of those unresolved resentments is what I'd say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So I actually have never heard this before, but I really would like to say that with history, when you've been with someone for a while, there's judgment of how you showed up in the past. So judgment being a really key thing, right? Allowing each person to show up as a new person every day because really they are. And without giving them the space to be able to do that, and I think it's a, it's a skill that we can learn. Um, it is uh, one of the great skills that I see um, both the teachers that we learn from, Marshall Rosenberg and uh, Shirzad Zameen, uh, teach people how to catch to honor, to be compassionate to those parts of us that are attached to um, the history, to the past, to the judgment that our partner and or ourselves have about (laughs) ourselves in relationship Um, and being able to come from a neutral standpoint. So I know, and if the listeners want us to send them this assessment, there's an assessment about our survival. And when I learned this from Andre, it was really a big insight for me and uh, it, it helps take the spiritual, the intuitive, the energetic healing that people might take and be able to translate that into our survival perceptions and then the language we use to live in everyday relationships. It's extremely powerful. So, um, Andre, when you said there's history, there's judgment of how I showed up in the past, how have you in your life showed up differently and helped yourself get out of a self-judgment or judgment of others. And I know one of the biggest relationships in your life was your, was your sister. Um, so as that an example or me, how do you do it? Yeah. What comes to mind is, is both my mom and dad. Um, I have a lot of uh, hate, anger, resentment for just my, my life. Uh, it was really hard. There's verbal and physical abuse. There's a lot of judgment of who I should be. And I didn't live up. I didn't feel like I lived up to the expectation. So I went the other way. I went down the, the rebel son <laughs> instead of the good firstborn son. And so every time I would see them, I, I would be short with them. I would um, I'd be irritated quite easily. I'd had no patience, no tolerance. And so I felt that from them too. And so I thought it was mutual, like this feeling of animosity. We just thought, well, fit together. And as I began to, you know, my personal development journey, deepening that work, and I love this because the deeper I go with personal development, the more spiritual it gets. And even if, let's say, I'm not spiritual, it's, I can also say that, you know, whatever I see, whatever I believe, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So I began to see from a spiritual lens of like there's meaning like instead of life happens to me life happens for me okay why is this happening for me what am i learning from this moving to that growth mindset i find growth minds are being very spiritual because there's lessons to be learned right and so then i looked at my parents i'm like oh wow they're teaching me this they're teaching me work ethic they taught me this they taught me this and i started becoming grateful and it started looking at like what they've given me, that if I ask for their help, they'll be there 100% coming to that mindset of like they did the best they could with what they knew, right? So um, that in itself shifted my judgment of them. And so then I didn't need to change them. I just changed my attitude to them and then watched the change. And a change happened because I had more patience that was in my control of how I showed up to them. What is with my energy? Was I judging them? I can catch my judgment, and I can let that go. And then when I witness it, 
I can see how they respond. And our conversations become longer because I'm not cutting it short. I'm not being irritable. I'm being patient, holding space. And then more gifts, the miracles come out of it because now I get to know my parents a bit deeper and deeper each time. So that goes back to like looking at my relationships, uh, the hardest people in my life, the most difficult person in my workplace as my Jedi trainers. Why do they teach me here? And can I be grateful for that? And that gratitude in place of the judgment, oh, that's the magic right there. Yeah. Right. So it comes back to our work in soul healing or alchemy, the spontaneous healing of mental, emotional, or physical states. And it can be spontaneous, right? As soon as we shift, everything around us in our outside world looks different, including our relationships. Um, So what kind of, I know, maybe really um, that people can, can look up, um, we have a very poor vocabulary of our feelings and of our needs. We often have a very high vocabulary for our professions if we're in a doctor or different things, but we have no vocabulary when we're in relationships. We all uh, have grown up in what we call the blame and shame game. Uh, we don't know how to get to that high level of how to transmute and return to gratitude. It's, it's like we're always victims. Oh, this is what I didn't have and don't have and what I'm resentful of. Well, what is it that my parents gave me? What did I learn? What do I know to be true? And then how do I grow in that? So um, I know you have tools. So we've got the saboteur assessment. We can certainly send people at the end of this if they want to to see what their survival perceptions are and the feelings and needs, and we'll tell you how to get a hold of us here in a minute. Um, what's one other really big, juicy nugget that you can give us today, Andre, when you sit with it, when you see the men in, you, in your groups desiring relationship? What is one other really good tip or tool or mind shift that you can offer us today? It's, um, you know, practice is the, when I look up and speak to my men, it's about getting into the body. And, you know, we can spend so much time in our heads and analyze and then procrastinate. And it just seems like one thought leads to another and it's a spiral pool of negative thoughts. And so the head can be just this dangerous place, you know. When you're in your head, you're dead. And so the idea is to get into the body through the breath. And we use the breath, and we use a lot of the breath and grounding practices in our work with uh, positive intelligence in our communication course. It's being present to the five senses, one of the five senses, whether it be you know, focusing, looking at something in great detail, or you know, rubbing the two fing- my two fingertips together, feeling the crevice of my fingertips, or slowing down my eating and feeling all the texture and tastes of the food, if I zone in into my sense of my body, what happens is I begin to calm down. I begin to engage what I call the parasympathetic nervous system, that this the nervous system that is tied to relaxation. Because like the saboteur assessment, which is quite useful to highlight and label, right? When, once you name it, you contain it. The parts of us that are in survival mode that gets us to judge, gets us to say things that we don't want, right, to now be in a place of safety and relaxation is through the body, through the breath. Because now through my power, I can guide my breath, noticing that it's shallow, I can lengthen it. I can breathe more deeper. And that's an indication to my body to relax, and this leads into nervous system regulation. Regulating my nervous system is the practice here. So that's the tip I like to leave with here is, is finding practices that help you get into your body. Right? There could be practices like breath work, cold showers. Uh, could be any you know, physical practices like working out, feeling your body, right? um, sound baths, getting connected to sound, see how that you know, flows through you. So stuff like that helps build the practice of tuning into your body's intelligence and creating more spaciousness between the mind and the body. Because we're so used to being taught to 
be in our heads all the time and we don't feel like there's a way out. But I know with practice for myself, I can get to my body quite easily. And there is a separation. There is a discernment between the two. And this helped me when, you know, there's a conflict in my relationship with you, then I can check in with myself and calm my nervous system, despite all sights and signals indicate that I should run, <laughs> right? <laughs> or for some people, they should fight, right? But instead, just be that calming presence and like alchemy. And what happens is that creates a safe container for that person to let that out, like transmute itself, come to their own sense of wisdom, right? That's where the growth happens. That's where the healing happens. That's where the deep into level of intimacy and we can level up. It requires a space of safety. So to get to safety, it requires me to get to my body's method of safety, which is in my body. All right, your body's method of safety, which is in your body. And a lot of people with trauma skip out of their body. So it's about really learning to trust that. And I know another thing that you do that you've become really good at, uh, once you're in your body, you journal. You get the stuff out of your head. Um, and I know a lot of people think of journaling as writing out what they did for the day, but it's about the feelings, it's about the needs, it's about the body sensations to come to, um, whether than a rational explaining away of our experience, an understanding of what our body, our soul, our inner child, those different parts of us really need. So, um, And for partners out there, part of creating the safety really about, again, removing the judgment. And this can be a tricky, and it's a practice in itself. But if you allow a person the space to be different and they have some skill or knowledge, they're able to do it. And it's, it's exciting when, when we're actually able to uh, learn and grow together. And that's something I deeply appreciate about our work and our relationship. So, yeah, learning to trust the body the body as the conduit and the messages of what we really know to be true um, and getting out of our survival perceptions. So um, thanks, Dre. I know we're going to wrap up in two minutes here um, and Nicole will be hopping online. Is there any one last thing? You've got about a minute and a half to um, say anything else that comes to mind as you just take a pause and see if there's anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh at the journaling, sometimes there's some expectations of like, man, I got to write a story, right? Or, oh, I got to think about it. And what helps me is just to write, just to continue writing. And it's called like stream of consciousness writing. I'm writing like whatever came through that experience. And it can be gibberish. It doesn't have to be grammatically correct. But what then what happens is that I start getting a flow of words coming out all of a sudden. I'm like, where does this come from? And I just write till I feel like I'm content. I'm not forcing myself to get any more words out. I'm not setting an expectation that it should be this long. I'm just writing whatever comes to mind, and easily I just write out what's top of mind. And I love to use the the idea of trusting that first thought that comes to mind because what happens is when we're in our heads, we immediately judge it, and then it blocks it. And then we're looking for another response because we want to be right or we don't want to be wrong. So I always like to use the gumball machine example so imagine there's a big, big gumball machine, right? All sorts of different colors, and you put a quarter in, okay? And out comes this gum- gumball. And I always ask to ask, what's the first color that comes to mind? And someone says, blue, great. What's the next color? Yellow, red, purple. And it's so quick. And I ask, where does that color come from? And the person's like, I don't know, it just came through. Exactly. Trusting that that stream of consciousness to come through and to express it freely. There's no right or wrong answer, right? And that's the key part, like, to add to the piece of communicating from the soul, from the heart, writing things down, is that absence of judgment and just trusting the first thing that comes up. There's no right or wrong. Just say it. All right. So now I'm going to ask you about your shameless self-promotion and what's the first thing to come to mind. If people want to get a hold of you or us, (laughs) Where are you going to look? Uh, Facebook, Instagram, connect me with that Andre Lamb. And so that's my first name, A-N-D-R-E, and last name, Lamb, L-A-M. And that's where you can find me. And that's where I share my men's work and my community with the summer. All right. And for me, it's summer, 
Gozahora. That's on Facebook or Instagram. And the email is the same thing, summer at summerbozahora.com. You can reach out to us if you really want to start making some shifts towards better relationships uh, or interested in men's work at a soul level. Uh, yeah, I think that's about it for us today. And, um, yeah, I don't know if there's anything else. And I know Nicole will pop on here. Um, soul level relationships. Relationships as soul assignments and having a 10 out of 10 relationship requires, in summary, the naked truth to be willing to be vulnerable, to access your inner strength. And some of the ways that we've learned about doing that today is being able to access your body, be present in the moment, some physical things. And one last quote is, a person who cannot change their mind cannot change anything. So we have to change something, and one small thing will move us towards the relationships that we want to have. All right. Thank you. Great. So, Summer uh, and Adam, and you can find them all linked up at newsforthesoul.com. We're back with more right after this quick reset break. Hear all of our previously aired broadcasts of News for the Soul online at newsforthesoul.com. Now let's get back to the show. You're listening to News for the Soul, life-changing talk radio From the uplifting to the unexplained since January 1997. We began our 25th year in broadcasting in January 2022 and we're just getting started. Exploring the edge of human consciousness and possibility on planet Earth with founder and journalist Nicole Marie Whitney at the helm. What's really real and what's really possible? That is what we want to know. Join us at newsforthesoul.com newsforthesoul.com Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.